Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. We're still at war here, guys. Uh, this is day 20 of Israel's conflict with Gaza, the Simchat Torah War, the October 7th Massacre War. Um, I had a really unbelievable week this week. Uh, with the help of God, I uh, took off Saturday night for America. I spoke in Philadelphia twice um, at, at an amazing uh, conference called Jewish Priorities, and then at uh, um, then at uh, Lower Marion uh, with the, with an amazing synagogue there, a congregation. Uh, from there, I went to BNH in New York. I purchased all kinds of stuff uh, for the conflict. And if you want to help me, by the way, you can, because I'm purchasing stuff to make sure that the hilltops are safe, to make sure that uh, uh, folks that need to be able to see at night can see at night, etc. That's at Fight for Israel with the number four, fightforisrael.org. Uh, I bought some great stuff at B&H, my good friends at, uh, at this incredible electronics, Jewish electronics store. That was amazing. Uh, my good friend Ezra Halevi helped me out, uh, making sure, taking care of all this kind of stuff. And then... Uh, then um, then I spoke at uh, Yeshiva University for the Israel Club. Tried to help them uh, get restarted. Uh, and uh, I hope to advise them uh, to have that club strong and, uh, and successful. So that was, uh, that was uh, 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 like on a campus movement. And they were telling me about their feelings and their will to be part of the fight in Israel. The next day I had a chance to uh, connect with the Syrian community, the Syrian community in, uh, in, uh, in the New York area. You know, they, they live in Brooklyn and in Deal. And uh, the following is a podcast that I did with Isaac Kasson, uh, who is a young influencer and podcaster uh, in, from the Syrian community. He's amazing. Uh, and I got a chance to sit down with him in a New York studio uh, to talk a little bit about the conflict. Uh, and about how we're feeling about things, how we're dealing with things. Uh, and uh, uh, I'm a big fan and, and have a big heart for the Syrian Jewish community. Uh, you'll hear, by the way, a little bit different pronunciations of words. Uh, that's their uh, tribe's pronunciations uh, of, of Hebrew words. A little bit different and very interesting and very special. Uh, so here is my talk with Isaac Kasson uh, from his uh, podcast, which is a very smartly named, in my opinion, called Looking Up. Yishai, it's good to see you, my brother. The last time we spoke, it was before this war started raging in Israel. And like we've spoken, it's not only a war that's physical, it's a war that's also spiritual. And it's not only a war that's happening in Israel, it's a war that's happening against all the Jewish people around the world. So you being a advocate on the ground in Israel for the Jewish people, being the spokesperson in Hebron, and experiencing what you're experiencing in real time. I just want to talk a little bit about what's going on, what we could do better to, to help fight with our brethren and fight for our cause and really understand what's next and how do we get out of this and how do we grow from this? Uh, Isaac, uh, it's great to be with you. And it's a little surreal as well because we're in, like, in this you know, podcast studio in, uh, in Manhattan. And uh, I wasn't even going to come to America. And, you know, my family is, and my community and my country is in a defensive mode. And there's rockets flying. For example, when we, uh, when we flew out of Ben Gurion, instead of the plane flying right over the sea like it usually does, it took a hard turn to the right north 
north, 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 and only at the very tip of Israel took a left because there's rockets coming out of Gaza, and you don't want one of these rockets to hit the, the airplane, obviously. Uh, so there's an intensity, uh, and yet I felt it was very important to come out and connect with my brothers and sisters because I agree with you. It's not that I came here just for help, asking for help. I'm actually here because I, I know we're all in this war together, and this is a war against the Jewish people, against specifically the Jewish people in the land of Israel, but there's attacks here as well uh, in various forms. Uh, and also it's a spiritual war, like you said. Uh, this is a war of Amalek. Uh, it's very reminiscent to me of the Purim story. It's like, you know, they plan to kill us, and, and they came out, and there's an advantage in that they're showing themselves who they are. Uh, but, but they're out there to destroy us and to erase us, la bed ou la rogue, to really get rid of the Jewish people. And um, in, in one sense, we have to almost thank them because we know that they've been lying in wait and they've, they've now showed themselves. And there's a, at least there's something good in that. And, and I was uh, learning with my, my good friend Jack Sewer beforehand, uh, a, a Torah from Rabbi Natan, and he says, uh, you got to find the revach. Even in the, in the bad things, there's, a, there's something good in there. And just like Yaakov put a space between every one of the gifts that he sent to Esav, that means that, that even in those dark moments where you have to, you're fighting with the, with the, with the, with the, with the klipah, with the husk of, of either Esav or Ishmael in this case, uh, there's these moments between them. And you've got to find the, the, the peace and the equanimity. Um, and so I'm very excited to be here, but I'm on an airplane tonight. I'm on an airplane tonight, and I was walking down here. People, you know, They're planting the plants, and the buildings are shiny. And then I know that I'm, I'm getting on that airplane tonight. I know it's going to be packed, full of brothers and sisters who are going there, and from the community also. There's a lot of people flying there now. That's Jewish, okay? Exactly. They're flying into the war zone because they want to be part of it. It's very unique. Uh, as a people, we do that. We flee away from safety, or safety, which we'll get into in a minute, to run to the war zone in order to defend our country, our people. And something that you said that I relate to a lot is the idea that there is a silver lining and we're experiencing the same thing here in America. We got very comfortable in Chutz Laaretz. We're in Galut and we forgot that very quickly. We're in universities. We have nice careers here. Like you said, shiny buildings. But I think everything going on in the Middle East really brought out the true colors of a lot of what was in the people's hearts here in America. You have most of the largest universities in our country being more pro-Hamas and pro-Palestine than anti, I'm not even going to say pro-Israel, but anti-terrorism, right? You have kids on campus chanting genocide to the Jews, death to the Jews, and, and things like that. And it's making us realize, Chutz it's that we are not safe here. And eventually and ultimately, we want to join our brothers and sisters in Israel because even though there's bullets flying over there and bombs blowing over there, at the end of the day, that is where we are meant to be. That's where we need to defend. That's where our people are. And this is Hashem's war. And Hashem says, when you're in the land, there's a, there's a stronger potency of, of, of the Shekhinah there. So that's where we need to be. So I, I relate to what you're saying. And I think it's amazing that you're here to spread a lot of these messages. There's a lot of silver linings. Uh, one of them is Achdut. Um, in Israel, we fell into a very divisive time. Uh, and there was just a protest in the streets. And there was just a lot of even decent and good people calling for the undermining of the government. And there was just a sense of great instability. In the Torah, when, when Jews fight, that's when Amalek shows up. The terrorists have been deposed, the ones that we've caught, uh, have been interrogated. A lot of them have said that one of the reasons we thought it was a good time is because of the divisiveness in Israel. Mm -hmm. So they've said it. They, they, they said it. And there's very interesting things that have come out of the, these, these horrific 
uh, interrogations because they're just admitting it freely that they came to kill. I want to tell you that uh, today I've seen all the bad videos. I mean, I've seen the worst things. Uh, and, and yet today something happened yet again, something came out of the story that like a little bit, like a little bit shocked me. And I thought it was shockproof. Uh, you know what it was? There's a recording that a terrorist did. Um, he was calling his parents from one of the people that he killed. And you hear the recording in Arabic and there's a translation and it goes something like this. Father, look, I've just killed 10 Jews. My hands are full of their blood. Put mom on the phone. And mom's like, amazing. I wish I was there with you. I saw that. Unbelievable. You know, the, 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 you know, it's so easy for us to be like, no, it's just a few people. No, it's not the society. The moms are definitely not for it. And the mom's like, congratulations, my son. I wish I was there for you. Go, you know, kill Jews. She says, kill them, kill them. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the talk of Amalek, really. And, um, and that's, that's what we, we're, we're witnessing. And as we said before, there are these moments that are bringing us together. So one of the achadutz is within the country, um, between religious, not religious, between left and right, uh, and between the ultra-Orthodox uh, and, and the rest. Um, and and, and this, one of the things that I'm doing in this part of the world right now is being here to bridge the other great gap of the Jewish people between the diaspora and, and Israel. We have this huge ocean that separates us. And if we can find ways, Hashem's giving us a blessing through this horrible war a blessing to be a little bit closer to one another. And on the subject of what you just mentioned about the disturbing comments that the terrorists made, that's further proof that it's a spiritual war because it's not only about the politics, the land and things like that. There's such darkness and evil that are within the hearts of a lot of these terrorists and their families, as you see, their communities, that you can tell it's a hatred that runs deeper than something recent. This is biblical, this is spiritual, and we're fighting back on the other side, you have soldiers who never put tefillin on before putting on tefillin, connecting to Hashem. They're putting right. on talet, sisit. So we're doing everything we can as a people, in addition to the achdut, to actually have dvekut with Hashem, right? It's not only about havat Yisrael, that's ben adam lechavero, but we're also yearning and striving to increase the dvekut that we have with Hashem. And I think that's how we're going to win this war, and that's why we're going to win this war. Of course, it's been promised to us. Of course, Hashem is fighting the war for us. But at the end of the day, the Hishtad Lur on our side, which is the Emunah and the Havat Israel, like you're saying, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. I'm young, but I read a lot, I watch a lot, I look at history. It seems like this is unprecedented. It's not that the attacks are unprecedented, even though we might feel they are because of what we're seeing on Instagram. I've read very detailed accounts of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. You know about it more than I do. Gruesome. Maybe even worse than what we're experiencing. Bloody, I don't want to get into it. But, but the response of the Jewish people seems unprecedented with the amount that's, the fact that we're filling planes, not only with people that are heading to the war, but supplies and money, and it's very empowering. That's what Esther said. Remember Esther said, Lech knoset kol gather the Jews, bring them together. Because Haman said, there's Am they're spread out, they're divided, and she's like, no, bring them together. And so that's what this war does. I think that we have to do a two kinds of teshuva, two kinds. Uh, one teshuvah is the one that we were just talking about. Achdut, tefillin, Shabbat, uh, tzniut, tarat mishpacha, all these things. That's, that's for sure. Uh, and achdut is, is a big one. And that's a, uh, it may not like, fit into the category of, of you know, putting out tefillin and Shabbat, but it's an, a very important Torah obligation to get to achdut in Am Yisrael, to avat chinam. On the other hand, there's, I have a different part of my mind which is more political and more uh, uh, policy-oriented 
And here too, we have to do a teshuva. Teshuva here is the return to common sense. Mm. What I call derech eretz Come common sense. You cannot allow the enemy to arm himself on your borders. You cannot allow Gaza to get millions of dollars and to create bunkers and to, and to, and to, you know that they're building rockets. You can't let that happen. You can't let the North have 200,000 rockets in the hands of Hezbollah. You got to strike way before they get to that capacity. You cannot allow jihadism to blare out in your country from mosques, in newspapers, in television stations, at the kids' schools. We know their textbooks. It teaches jihadism day in and day out. We cannot allow that. You have to have common sense. It's about Shuva, it's about Shabbat. It's also about don't let these guys have guns on your borders and in your country. We have no-go zones all over our country. In Jerusalem, Yerushalayim, Merikotosh, we have no-go zones. And we have things that give them power. For example, Harabite gives them power. They go to Harabite, they're like, look, our God is stronger than the Jews. We're on top of their spot. And as long as we're here and they don't have their temple and they don't assert sovereignty here, we're, our, our power is stronger. And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many more things that we're doing that lack common sense. So those are the two things that, that, that we need to do to Shuvan. Okay? And, and, and that's actually the way, the way a Jew is. A Jew has is, got a high thought, but he's got to have feet on the ground. Uh, we have to have feet on the ground also. There's got to be a, the security attitude was wrong. It was haughty. It took. It maybe thought the Arabs don't know what they're doing. It's a bad way to think. Don't underestimate your enemy. There's no advantage in that, and don't give them the land because that's stupid. They use that land to 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 build their jihadism, and their jihad cells. And when you see and hear that they're arming themselves, whack them, and don't let that happen. That is the charge and the mandate of the Jewish state, and it did it failed. I also like looking at the Torah for things like this, because even though the Torah was thousands of years ago, it's the blueprint for the future. So for an example, you know, a politician, an Israeli politician might say, but listen, we have to give humanitarian aid. We have to be cautious about the citizen, things like that, because you have the UN, the world is watching. But like, for example, I believe when we read Tehillim and we learn that David HaMelech was not embarrassed in front of the other nations. He stood firm. He knew what was right. He knew what was real. He knew what was in the, the, the will of, of Hashem. That's something we can learn from. It doesn't matter what the nations are going to think. Now, we can't be irresponsible, obviously, and put ourselves in Sakanat Nefesh by having the entire world. But even that, you can at the end of the day if you're following Hashem's will and you're doing things Hashem Shemayim, which is true. Another thing also, why are we talking about 1948, pre-post deals? We learned a few weeks ago in Bereshit. What did Rashi say on the first Pasuk? Bereshit bara. Why are we opening with that? To say Hashem created the world. He is going to determine who it belongs to, in which countries, to which nations. And what do we see? It belongs to the Jewish people. Period. End of story. Lech lecha. We see promises it to Abraham. We have to remind ourselves of these things so we have strength and courage in the modern world. So that when the nations are pressuring us or, the, or the, the, the citizens around the world are pressuring us, we have this koach to know we need to do what's right. This is our enemy. We need to destroy them. I, I once read that the, the, the biggest rabbis in the Talmud walked around with swords. They were warriors. Moshe, Abraham, our forefathers, they were all warriors because at the end of the day, it wasn't just about higher values. It's also like you said, we live on earth. There's evil. There's enemies. We have to respond and react accordingly. And, uh, and I think the same way we learn in the, in the halakha that you need to rise up and kill your yetzer before it kills you, which they actually say applies to human beings too. There's a halakha, I believe, 
that if you know someone's on their way to kill you, Rodef, Rodef. You have to yeah. rise up and so somebody's a Rodef, you gotta get him first. So it's the same idea. And I and I think I think your point is is well. You have the high the high one of the mitzvot and all this beautiful spiritual stuff, and then the practical of guys, you're surrounded by enemies. Right. We we can't afford to let them do what they're what they're doing. That's absolutely true. Um I also happen to be the representative of the city of Hebron, and that's the first Jewish property in the land of Israel owned by Avraham, purchased by Avraham. Uh, it's also where the uh, tomb of the forefathers and mothers is, the Machpelah, and that's the housing of Avraham and Sarah, Yitzchak and Rivka, Yaakov and Leah. Yaakov is Israel, so the first Israel of Am Israel, of Eretz Israel, of Medinat Israel, is buried in Hebron. Uh, and it's also King David's first capital before he moves to Yerushalayim. Uh, and that city is about 1,000 Jews, and we have a sister city called Kiryat Arba, 9,000 Jews. So we're 10,000 Jews surrounded by 200,000 Arabs, maybe 250,000, wow. who are mostly Hamas. Really? Mostly Hamas. It's a Hamas-dominated city. Uh, and so we're out there... Uh, defending it and keeping it open for all of us. If you, if you, if you go to Eretz Israel right now, you could take a bus still to Marat HaMachpelah. And why? Because there's a brave Jewish community that's holding on strong there. And these guys, they are, they're tough as nails. And they're, they know what their shlichut is. Their shlichut is to keep the place open for all of Am Yisrael. And that's, why, what's, what, that's, that's what they do for us. Uh, and I'm here also to get people to be conscious of the self-sacrifice, the needs, and the importance of Hebron. So expand on what you're talking about for, for those of us who don't necessarily know what it is you do or what you're talking about. There are certain cities that are on the fence in terms of ownership and, and, and we need to fight for what's ours. Like what, expand on what you're saying so we could appreciate what's happening out there. All right, uh, I, I can do it really quick. Uh, 1948, did we win or lose the independence war? We won, Israel won, but we lost a lot of land. And that land that we lost was actually in the mountains, in the Judean Samaria mountains, the mountains that hug Jerusalem. And those mountains we lost, and we lost half of Jerusalem to the Jordanians in 1948. In 1967, we actually pushed the Jordanians out. Uh, they were illegal occupiers, we pushed them out, okay? We returned to our ancestral land. We're talking about Hebron, Beit Lechem, Shechem, Shiloh, Beit El, Okay, we came back to these places. Uh, however, the state of Israel was not 100% sure that it wanted to keep it uh, in, in a very, um, you know, in a, with, a, with, a, with a lack of a sense of what the stories of the Bible are and our history. They just didn't understand if we should hold on to these places and instead were willing to, to give it up in various ways. And there was a group of people uh, that wanted to go in and hold, it on, hold on to this land for the rest of Am Yisrael so that, so that every Jew can come visit father and mother at Marat HaMachpelah. So... Uh, they are called today settlers. Uh, and what it really means is brave Jews. You hear the word settler, replace it with brave Jews. You hear settler, brave Jews, hold it on to the land for me and for my family and for our people for, for eternity. Uh, there's a, uh, Hebron was one of the, the first settlement, and therein is a Jewish enclave. So who formally owns it, though? Okay, so, so the ownership of it, i.e. control of it, the sovereign, is... Uh, split between two entities, and that is one part is the sovereign is the Israeli army, and the other part is the Palestinian Authority. Wow, okay, now I understand why yeah. it's... And so the Palestinian Authority is this big thing that we empowered in the 90s, 
and there is a small Jewish community that is surrounded, that is protected and defended by the IDF. And that is the sovereign there is the IDF, the so-called civil administration. So that's where we live. We have a thousand Jews that live. And we live peace there. Is there peace? Uh, We have a lot of guns, so there's peace. Can Uh, there ever be gunless peace? Sure. But let's not worry about that right now. There may be in the future. Uh, the, there could be. Uh, there could be a gunless peace when they, when the, when the enemies know for sure that we're the strong ones and that we're the owners, and that there's no, there's no debate about that. Uh, but when they're strong, there can be no peace because then they just want to erase you, as they did in 1929 in a great riot that they ran in Hebron to that killed 67 Jews. Same thing as this riot that we just saw. Same massacre. Uh, and so the only way that that we uh, that we can um, hold on is by being strong. Look, in the Middle East, there are two kinds of ethnic minorities, armed and unarmed. In, in Egypt, there's these group called the Copts. They're Christians. They're unarmed. So they're being terrorized and decimated. There's Yazidis in Iraq. They're being terrorized and decimated. Uh, there are two ethnic minorities that are armed and thrive, survive and thrive. The Kurds and the Jews. We are both two small uh, uh, ethnic minorities that are armed in a in a overwhelmingly overwhelmingly Arab Muslim Middle East, okay, Sunni Arab Muslims is four hundred million, and they live in our region. We are about seven million, so we're an ethnic minority in our region. And the reason we survive is because we're armed. Armed, that's the way it works. So let's not talk about right now. No, of course, disarming reason, and peace. No, the reason we, I brought it up yeah. is because I think spiritually it's the same idea. The Yetzirah, you can never put your guard down. You know how right. they say you don't trust yourself till the day you die. That's right. A person might say, oh, I got to a certain point. I put my guard down. Right. I'm okay. The Yetzirah will find a way to get to slither his way back into your life. So I was sort of just, I wanted to see the parallel there because I think it's very true. We need to reflect on ourselves and the way we battle evil as individuals to realize that in the outside world, it's the same battle. <laughs> The the other thing about about that yitzer that you're talking about is how do you how do you defeat the yitzer? When is the yitzer strong? When you're not clear about things. Well, maybe I'm like this, but I'm like maybe I'm like this. And when you don't say to the yitzer, no, like I'm I am a Torah Jew. This is my land. This is my clear identity. When you're when your insides aren't full of that clarity, you're lost. Now, how do you easily lose that clarity when you don't read the Tanakh? You don't know that we're from Hebron. You don't know that this is where we're from. So then they do a hocus pocus and they tell you, ta-da, this is actually our land. This is actually a Palestine. Uh, and we're actually the indigenous and you're foreigners. You're just white colonialist Europeans coming to take over our land. They've never heard of Syrian Jews. And so the, the point is, is that we've got to be clear. And that is something that we have not been. We have not been totally clear. We have not been clear to say, Hebron is our city. We're going to make it our city. And that's just the way it is. We're like, there's no if, ands, maybe negotiate for in peace and this, that. Forget it. This is our land. And then the Arabs will be like, oh, okay, I understand who I'm talking with because now you're talking my language, language of clarity. This is the law. And this is, this is how you can exist within our country and be respected. How do you do that? By respecting our laws. You don't want to respect our laws. You want to fight us. Then you have no place in our land. Speak with clarity. And they'll thank you. But we don't speak in clarity. We speak out of two mouths with a lot of different values. We have the Jewish values and democratic values and all these things. And at the end, the enemy encroaches and we don't stop them because we ourselves are not sure about ourselves. So part of my mission in all that, part of my mission is to help us 
be more sure of ourselves. Now, you and Israel, it's amazing because you're saying how the Jews that, let's say, the Israelis that are not sure of themselves and are not defending themselves or are not armed. How can you be sure, getting, Isaac? Isaac, how can anybody be sure of themselves if they've never read the book of Bereshit? Well, so they, that was to the point how, earlier. How can you be sure you're of right. yourself? No, it's all connected. If you if you never read the book, the, I didn't save you the Tanakh. history books. That's the issue. Or Netflix. Yeah, exactly. Where they're lucky, textbooks. <laughs> if you haven't read the book of Bereshit, how can you know what's going on? But a point I want to make is you were saying that the Israeli Jew needs to arm himself physically and also with the strength of knowing in his mind clear what's right and what is wrong. I want to relate that to us American and Jews. And the identity. And the identity. And I want to relate that to us American Jews because we face a similar battle, right? You have a lot of citizens in America and frankly, a lot of nations, if not all of them in the United Nations, that are basically saying the Jews also should not have Israel or at least should not have the amount that it does have. And what's interesting is they call it anti-Zionist, right? And they say, oh, it's not anti-Semitic. But the question is, if you look around the room in the United Nations, right, how many of those nations achieved independence, rightfully so, for the protection of their people through rising up and taking what was rightfully theirs and getting rid of a tyrannical figure or government that was either killing them or stealing or doing whatever they were doing for, 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 for what was right. But when it comes to us, no, 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 it's, 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 no, Israel needs to, I think it runs deeper. It has nothing to do with the country or the region or Israel. I believe it has to do with the fact that it's the Jewish people. And the reason I feel that way is because you're seeing the hypocrisy on the college campuses and you're seeing the hypocrisy with a lot of people that are speaking out against Israel, where they're talking about climate change killing people or other governments that are oppressing their people. But then when it comes to a slaughter of 1400 people in a 24 hour period, less eight hour period, wherever it was they're they're speaking out against the victim. Right. So, so there's something twisted going on. Right. And I think because it's such a trend now to be against Israel, it's trendy. It's cool. Now, now it's like, if you're, if you're anti-Israel and anti-Jewish right now, you're, you're, you're part of the woke program. I think because America jumps on these fads and so many people are ignorant on the subject, it's creating this wave of just something that's not real. Most of these people, by the way, if you ask them, okay, you're saying the term apartheid state. What is that, by the way? And by the way, they did this. There were people that went around to ask some of these people that were standing with the flags, whatever. Oh, you know, I'm not so sure. I just know that. What do you mean you're not so sure? You're standing here with a flag on the side of people that are yelling death to Israel. And you don't even know what they're accusing us of? So so, so that's another idea is we need to be clear. I'm saying the Jewish people in America, they're wrong. They don't know anything. They're ignorant. And they're biased and potentially anti-Semitic. Because if we don't remind ourselves of that, our willpower and our grit and our ability and steadfast commitment to what we believe is true is at risk. It chips away at us. Imagine we're walking around the street. Everyone's ah, Israel bad. Oh, they they killed five thousand people in Gaza. It makes you it makes you question. God forbid. And 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 I think that's why in many different scriptures uh, the mefarshim say you. For example, I heard a mefaresh. Why why was Lot and his family told not to look back at Sedom? Because they might feel bad for Sedom in their mm-hmm. heart, mm-hmm. and it's a sin to feel bad for evil getting what it deserves. Just because I'll give you a great example. Let's say Nazi Germany, no matter how many people got killed in World War II on the German side, does it make what they did right? There's nothing that we can do to make what the Germans did okay. It's the same idea here. We're doing what we need to do to kill the people that are evil. 
We're not looking to kill citizens and innocent people. And by the way, we're the only army that warns the enemy when we're coming. The world forgets that. And I think it's important that the people in the diaspora know that, that they need to get clear on what's right and what's wrong and defend. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I would say that uh, our concern with what the nations say about us is understandable, but it needs to be tapped down, needs to be reduced a little bit. And um, basically, one of the tenets of Zionism was that it was called never again, which we weren't going to rely on the others to defend us. And uh, it, it, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, for example, right now you had some of these uh, families of the hostages. We didn't even discuss the horror of the hostages. Uh, you know, they, they came to the UN and asked the UN's help uh, to get, get, get their, their, their family members out of, out of these, this captivity. That makes me sad because the UN is an anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, anti-Israel organization. And they're laughing. And, oh, now you're coming to me that I can help you? Sure, sure, I'll help you. Here's one thing, here's something. Oh, thank you, UN. These people have been against us for a long time. And uh, today, uh, my, my friend and uh, U.S. Israeli ambassador to the United Nations, Gilad Erdan, called for the removal of the head uh, of, of the UN because he basically said something like, well, you know, the reason you had this, this uh, heinous crime happen to you is because of 58 years of occupation or some, some phrase like that. So the bottom line is that uh, uh, the Jewish people have to be clear first inside, first inside, then outside. Well said. Uh, and, 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 and we're not so clear inside. And so one of the things that I'm doing is I'm trying to teach people Tanakh. Like Hebron is not just a community that we have to defend. It's also a teaching tool, a method through which we tell people the story about our forefathers and mothers, the purchase of the land of Israel, the importance of this land, the promise, the promise that's coming true in our time. So um, we, got it. we have to teach right now. This is also a teaching moment. Ears are more open. Uh, people are people are looking to us, and, and and we have to educate our people first, and then they can come out. That that's that's one. The other thing is here's here's again the two sides of it. If we fight back the jihad now, the world will thank us for it, and the fact that we are allowing the jihad to run amok, the world is angry at us for it. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be the people that bring light, but also get rid of evil. Lovers of God, you gotta hate evil. You gotta destroy it when it rises up. And we we have a little bit too much midat chesed. We need a little bit more midat din with our enemies. As as our rabbis say, our sages say that anybody who's merciful to the wicked becomes wicked to the merciful. That's exactly what has happened. Uh, and we have a lot. By the way, before this great attack, there had been thirty five Jews murdered this year by this very same type of force. Thirty five were murdered throughout the year. Wow, okay. the world doesn't know that. Yeah, the Jews yeah, don't know I, that. I remember, I remember, I remember uh, Bacheva Nigri, uh, her her funeral. Remember the two brothers, those course, two brothers, those two brothers, those. Remember that? What was that? Same thing. Those were tremors before the big one. And if you would have acted decisively, then been like, who is trying to hurt our people? We will not stand for it. We have what Giuliani called zero tolerance for the murder of Jews. Zero tolerance. For anybody preparing to murder a Jew, uh, we wouldn't have had it today. And we should have been listening to those things. When Bacheva Nigri was murdered, that's just another example to be like, no, 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 no. We will not allow one more hair to be hurt on a Jewish person's head. But we didn't do that. And, and now the jihad runs amok. And therefore, it, it starts to metastasize. 
all over an American campus and other places. They see that the Jewish people, the force of good, is not standing up to their to their force of evil. So, okay, that's what we got to do. And 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 Bezrat Hashem, this war is a wake up call uh, for what we said before: teshuvah and common sense, a common sense approach. And and Hashem will quote unquote, He'll thank us for the teshuva, and the world will thank us. Uh, for striking down uh, evil. That's what really we should ask. We, should, we shouldn't be asking the word for rachamim, the world for rachamim. I don't need the world's mercy. I want them to actually thank me for taking care of business. You're fighting terms. the battle of the world. Right. And I can't, I don't know, my mind keeps going back to the spiritual analogy. I don't know why. It's just because that's where my headspace always is. It's the same thing with the individual. I once went to an awesome class by Rabbi Malka, Rabbi Moshe Malka in, in Deal, New Jersey. And he was saying that the Yetzirah works the same way. He'll make your cave here a little, there a little, let you be successful a little here, get you. And over time, if you leave it, and it'll increase, increase, then it runs amok. And then the world around you gets affected. Why? Because now you're a person that's not being a shining light onto other people. It's affecting your marriage. It's right. affecting your work. It's right because the midot, the things we do in thought, speech, and deed actually affect not only us, but the people around us. So I just love what you're saying in relation to even as individuals, right? People say, what is me doing mitzvot here? How does that help Israel? No, the reality is you become a vessel to receive beracha that you can then channel to your brothers and sisters. And we shake the spiritual worlds, right? We shake the heavens when we pray in a state of purity. So by us improving ourselves, we then can have more effective prayers, have more effective sedaka, have more effective things like that. And I think that's why the soldiers are yearning for tefillin and all these new mitzvot is because they know even as physical vessels of fighting in the war, by connecting to Hashem, by purifying themselves, it's going to increase the likelihood that they overpower evil. Definitely. Definitely. So, definitely. There, there's definitely a light coming from our army right now. There's a light that wants to come out of Israel right now, uh, but there's a great force of, of darkness that wants to subdue it. And, uh, and, we're in a real war right now. It's a real war. Even I had to tell my daughter who's living in this war, I'd be like, I had to tell her like, this is not, this is real. This is for real. Uh, and we all have to fight it. Something you said to me beforehand though, before we started recording, uh, a lot of people, there's another war that's happening, which is a lot of people need, feel a need to connect, to be soldiers somehow. And they don't always find a way. It's frustrating. You want to be part of it. You don't always find a way. So it's very important to, to really talk with friends, get ideas, how I can be part of it. Who, who can I help? What can I do? And uh, just now, uh, my friend Jack and I, we sat and we talked with uh, community members that are flying into Israel. That's great. But what about, you know, the kids? They want to feel like they're part of this war as well. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I had a, a kid over my house exactly when this was happening. So he says to me, he's like 14. He says to me, can I have a knife to, so that I could defend myself? So immediately I went into my knives and I gave him one of my knives to hold on to. Why? Because I was like, that's the right attitude. Jewish person's like, I want to defend myself. A kid. I'm like, good, here. Here, you got a weapon also. It's very important. And he felt good. He felt better that he had something. It was just a little knife. But he had something. And it's important to give, to give people. And so it's important for us as parents and educators and leaders to think about how we give people uh, an outlet to help, a, a useful one. People want to be part of it. They don't want to be bystanders right now. That's not a simple challenge to overcome. Give people a chance to fight, let them pick a community that they support. Let them, let them pick a chayal or a unit that they support. You know, let them send. I've seen videos uh, uh, from the community with houses full of boxes. Love it, but most more important than the boxes that are received, or just as important, are the kids putting stuff in the boxes so they can feel they can remember. Yeah, I fought. Yeah, I fought. I wasn't a soldier within green in, in Israel, 
but I was in Brooklyn and I was, I was part of the fight. I'm part of the Jewish people. And I think another type of war, which if we acknowledge is happening, will help us be able to help is there's a psychological war happening. Okay. So a lot of people in America felt the need and obligation and rightfully so to see what was going on in Israel, right? Watch the videos, watch the picture, look at the pictures, feel the pain and suffering going on so that again, they're more connected to it. The issue is I think we live in such a society that's addicted to social media and content consumption that it's gotten to a point where it's actually debilitating people. And the Holy Ari writes, the Ariza writes that when you look at too much of this type of content, it actually shatters your soul, right? right? And it creates a psychological burnout, which even modern psychology talks about, that and, doesn't- And that was one of the goals of the terrorists. Correct. The, the, it's a tactic, not a not a, a happenstance result. It's a tactic of theirs. Correct, because now you're so burnt terror. out, yeah. you're so depressed and down right. that you can't do anything about it, right. right? Like, what good are you being on your couch depressed? Oh, I'm connected, I see what's going on. No, no, no. So something I've been trying to spread is, listen, if you want to help the cause- this is going to sound crazy and it might sound controversial if you misunderstand me. You have to be happy. You have to be besimha. Mm -hmm. You have to be clear-minded. You have to have sharpness of judgment. That's how you're going to think of creative ideas to help. That's how you're going to think of ways to, to improve the cause. And by the way, that's why we're seeing on Instagram now soldiers singing, dancing, goofing around. It's not because they're taking what's going on lightly. It's because that's what they need to fight a good fight. You need to be up in your spirit. You have to be lifted in your spirit. And you, you mentioned Rav Natan, you know, his his uh, his uh, leader, his master, Rav Nachman writes, even to win a war, you need simha. That's right. So so I think that's another message connected to what you were saying is like, people want to help, but they don't feel they can help. The first step is you got to get your mind straight. We mourned for a week. We looked at everything that happened. Now it's time to clear the head, do what we need to do to become our best selves and see how we could apply our cohort right. to help this, uh, this battle going on overseas. You're right, Isaac, you're right. But it's not an easy line to find between happiness and frivolity. Oh, for sure. It's not easy. Because you walk into a place and you see that they're just watching sports and chilling out. And you're like, there's a war on. There's got to be some weight to this moment. And by the way, I think we all know deep down what that balance is, even though it's a fine line. I'm not right. saying to go out to a right. restaurant and have drinks and party. Right. I'm saying more, instead of sitting in front of the TV all night, Go outside, breathe the fresh air, stretch right. a little bit and think, okay, what can I do to help Israel? Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And and help your kids. Help your kids right now. Help the students, help your kids. Uh, they're going to remember this. This is this is one of those trajectory moments. Like September 11th was for for like, you know, when I was uh, in college. It was it's it's a it's a moment and your kids are going to remember it. Help them. Help them like steer this moment correctly. It'll send them on. Help them be like, yes, we're gonna fight. Yes, we're Am Israel empower together, empower unity, love, Ava, Tefillin, Eretz Israel, all those Tehillim, all those things, and and give them give them that sense that 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 when when the going gets tough, the Jewish people get going. That's a great point because it could either be stored as a traumatizing experience or it could be stored as an empowering experience. That's it. So very very important to do that right now. And for me, I'm going back tonight. Mechuzak, and I've given Chizuk, and I helped restart the Israel Club on Yeshiva University campus, and I brought them a big flag from Hebron, and I spoke in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, uh, and I'm here with you today and meeting people from the community, and uh, and I'm also I went to B and H, which is like you know Disney World for grownups, and and like bought bought uh, you know ten thousand dollars worth of equipment. It's going to be uh, life saving, and and help uh, help our our forces. And I'm going to bring it on the airplane, and 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 I you know I ran in and I run out and and 
And I, and I feel that like I was even a soldier, even though I was walking around the streets of New York City. Amazing. And, and just one last thing before we wrap it up, because I, I think we touched upon it, but I want to really hit it head on, is emuna, right? Because there's a lot going on. It's very easy to fall into a funk or to even feel more than is actually in our hands is in our hands. And I think you're leading by example and, and, and proving that despite everything going on, your emunah, your bitachon, your yirat shamayim is untouched. You still understand that Hashem runs the world. You're still grateful and know that Hashem is doing everything for the best of the Jewish people. And, you know, if you could talk a little bit about that, I think it would be very empowering because a lot of people in America are potentially questioning. Yeah. So you coming from the heart of it, seeing the terrors, the, 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 the terrors with your own eyes, I think you can greatly help the people in the diaspora by sharing how and why your emuna is still perfectly strong and bulletproof despite everything you saw. Um, I actually take example from uh, Yitro, Jethro, Moshe's father-in-law, Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. And uh, it says about him that he saw, and Rashi asks, what is it that he saw? And he saw two things. He saw the splitting of the Red Sea. Well, that makes sense. That's like an awesome miracle. Wow. That must be the Jewish people. That must be the Torah. That must be God. But he also saw another thing. He saw the rise of Amalek against the Jews. And he's like, if there's an Amalek in this world striking at these people, that means that he, the, the Sitra Akhra, the worst energies, want to attack these people because they have a light that they're bringing out. It, 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 it's, it's the other side uh, of the coin. I love that. The other side of the coin is that this attack is a proof of Hashem. It's a proof. It's a proof that Hashem's in this world, that the Jewish people are special. If there's such a darkness that wants to attack us, such a... It must be this gold. That's it. Exactly. It. So to me, so to me, I was like, I was like, I was like, it's, it's not, it's not, not only is it not a, not a thing that hurts my emunah, I've, I've got emunah through it. I'm like, ah, I'm like, you, look at you, Amalek, you showed up. I saw you with my own eyes. I saw Amalek. And that means if there's an Amalek, there's a Hashem that he's trying to bring down, the Jewish people he's trying to bring down. I was like, I, I see a fuch. Afuch, it's 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 a it's a, it's a you 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 it's a it's a thing that proves God. Anomaly. Only the greatest treasure houses are desired by the greatest of robbers. That's right. It's the same idea. That's right. If the whole if everyone's trying to destroy, there's something here. I love that. I never never thought of it that way. Thank um, you for um, that. Amalek showed up, and and when Amalek shows up, that's a proof for Hashem. That's just that. That's that's the way it's, the way I see it, and and I think we're all seeing it that way. We're, we're feeling it. You know, we're feeling it. It's a biblical moment. And that brings me back to biblical thinking. You read the Bible, you fall in love with these stories, the, the Torah, the Tanakh, you read Sefer Bereshit, you fall in love with it, and, and, you, and you understand the world through that prism. You understand the world through that prism, everything changes in your life. Everything changes in your life. Amazing. Uh, and so, uh, so thank you very much for the schud of being with you here in New York. Oh, of course, uh, thank But I you. feel like we were, we were here in Eretz Israel in this little podcast studio. For sure. The Shekhinah is here. I, thank you. God bless you. Good luck with everything. And then just... Leave us off with one action step. What should we do once this audio turns off? Uh, find a way to be part of it. Uh, find a way to be part of it. I represent Hebron. There are many ways to be part of our fight. We have soldiers. We've got families. We're a small town surrounded by uh, a jihadist Hamas city. And you can help us by going to hebronfund.org. Uh, but there are many other causes as well. Uh, and and they're all good. They're all Raui. They're all they're all great, great folks. There are farmers that need uh, that need help because their Thai workers have flown away. There's a million things. Uh, so so find 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 a way to be part in this war. 
and, and thank Hashem for every minute that he's given us a chance to be Chayalim uh, soldiers in his army. Wow, beautiful. Thanks, Yishai. Thank you, Isaac. All right, folks, we're back here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. That was Isaac Kasson uh, talking with me about the conflict for his podcast uh, for the Syrian Jewish community. His podcast name is a very smart name, I think, Looking Up. I like that a lot, Looking Up. Very cool. Um, so that was my trip in America. I came back. Uh, I started dispersing some of the stuff that I bought um, and uh, uh, to defend the uh, communities here. Um, and I told you that that was at fightforisrael.org. Uh, but there's many people that are fighting for the Jewish communities, for Israel, including the Hebron Fund, hebronfund.org, keeps our city safe. Our little Jewish community in Hebron is a small Jewish community surrounded by an Arab city, much of which is, is uh, directed and, uh, and infiltrated by Hamas. F- f- meaning to say the, the, the ideological heartbeat of Hebron is Hamas. So we have a tiny Jewish town surrounded by a big Arab Hamas city. So if you want to help protect that, that's hebronfund.org. And we do appreciate that so much. By the way, the Temple Mount is still open these days, and you can go up to the Temple Mount if you're here. And there's a lot of people flying here. I was on LA, a lot of people flying. So if you want to be part of that, go to High on the Har, highonthehar.com. A very important website. And another thing, as we talked about it on the discussion with Isaac Casson, is what are you listening to? What's the media that you're consuming? Be careful not to consume too much media these days, but the media that you consume, you know, it's got to be good stuff. Check out jns.org and jewishpress.com. They're doing a great job, uh, both of those websites, jns.org and jewishpress.com, at pushing the, the healthy agenda uh, forward. Now our intrepid uh, reporter, Ben Bresky, has a very interesting thing to talk to us about, which is the history of Magen Davida Dome. I'm excited to hear this myself. Magen Davida Dome is Israel's ambulance and first response service, one of them, and they have a very interesting history. Ben Bresky reports. This is a moment in Jewish history. Magen David Adom is an emergency response service in Israel. Its name means Red Shield of David or Red Star of David and is the equivalent of the Red Cross in other countries. The current incarnation of Magen David Adom began in 1930. At the time, during the British Mandate era, there were no ambulances or first aid medics in the land of Israel. Dr. Meshulam Levantin is credited with gathering several colleagues to establish Magen David Adom. His father, Zalman David Levantin, was one of the founders of Rishon Lezion and the first CEO of the Anglo-Palestine Bank. His son, Dr. Levantin, was born in Russia and became an expert in tropical diseases at the University of Moscow, something he utilized after moving to the land of Israel. He helped fight cholera and glaucoma, then considered an epidemic in Israel, in such cities as Hebron, Tiberias, Lod, and other towns. When World War I broke out, Dr. Levantin was one of the many expelled from Israel due to his birthplace being Russia. He joined Zev Jabotinsky's Zion Mule Corps, where he headed the medical unit before returning to the land of Israel after the war's end. During World War I, there were several other short-lived incarnations of Magan David Adom. One was formed by Dr. Moses Erlanger, who was part of a group called Lema'an Sion, created by Orthodox religious Jews from Frankfurt, Germany. 
the group sent him to the land of Israel to work at St. John's Hospital, which opened in 1882 and mainly served non-Jewish residents. In 1909, he was appointed the first director of the Hospital for Eye Diseases in Jerusalem and treated more than 25,000 patients, including 170 eye surgeries. When World War I broke out, Dr. Erlanger developed Magen David Adom, which sought to treat Jews captured and wounded during the war. That expanded after the war to serve as disaster relief. By 1921, Magen David Adom folded. The deadly riots of 1929 prompted many in the Jewish community to seek the development of an emergency medical service. One of these was the nurse, Karen Tenenbaum. She is credited with helping organize the initial group of doctors. The other was Dr. Levantine, who was one of the seven doctors who gathered in Tel Aviv in June of 1930 to create what they initially called Magen David Adom, the Association for Rapid Help in Disasters. Within a year, they had 73 graduates of a first aid course. In 1931, the first ambulance in the land of Israel took its inaugural drive from Dr. Levantine's apartment to the home of the mayor of Tel Aviv. A document from the 1930s lists a Magen David Adom committee with such notable people as the educator David Yellen, the poet Shaul Chernikovsky, and Nobel Prize award-winning physicist Albert Einstein. Dr. Einstein previously participated in a conference in 1923 to create a Jewish World Union for Sanitary Relief, which they planned to name Red Magen David. This group was to focus on the distress of the Jews of Russia. In its first years, Magen David Adom provided first aid for over 11,000 people. It has grown exponentially since then, treating anyone and everyone in need with a fleet of ambulances and first responders throughout the country. A 2019 article in the Jerusalem Post stated that there are approximately 2,000 MDA ambulances stationed in 180 locations across the country. They use 600 medicycles and 48 bulletproof mobile ICUs and ambulances. There are over 30,000 volunteers, employees, and national service workers for Magan David Adom. A 2022 article in the Jerusalem Post quoted a volunteer who had come from abroad. She stated, We took a young woman to the hospital after she was involved in a car accident. She had no family members in the ambulance with her, and she did not let go of me. I could see the gratitude in her eyes for all the emotional support I gave her in her most vulnerable moment when I held her hand. Another interesting personality from Magen David Adom was Dr. Nancy Carolyn, the organization's first medical director. Born in the United States, Dr. Carolyn co-developed the job of paramedic, an EMT with advanced medical training, and wrote the book National Training Course Emergency Medical Technician Paramedic Course Guide in 1977, the first of its kind. That year, she moved to Israel to become the medical director of MDA, where she ran the first EMT course that was also accredited in the United States. In the 1980s, she moved to Kenya, where she was senior medical officer of the African Medical and Research Foundation in Nairobi. She returned to Israel, where she founded the Hospice of Upper Galilee. In any crisis, there are helpers who rush to the aid of others. Thank you to Magen David Adom and all the emergency first response organizations, volunteers from around the world, 
nurses and doctors from hospitals and groups that are saving lives. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners, and Shalom. All right, folks, we're back here on the Yishai Fleischer Show. Uh, we're at Judea. I'm back after a whirlwind, uh, whirlwind trip to the United States. And when I got home, I started dispersing the stuff that I got to the different communities. And I also got to see my brother down in uh, the Gaza area where he is actually uh, in reserves and has been called up. And so that was very uh, special uh, to see my brother. And I want everybody to pray for my brother, Josh Fleischer, Yoshua Mayor Ben Alexander, uh, to continue to be healthy and strong out there. Uh, and all of his mates and all of our uh, soldiers that are fighting and defending Israel right now in this conflict, in this war. Uh, finally, uh, one last thing is that I was uh, at a wedding of the one and only Shmuley Boteach uh, yesterday. And uh, Shmuley was uh, very emotional and I knew that he would be when he spoke underneath the chuppah draped in the flag of Israel. So let's hear Shmuley's words about what, uh, how he feels about what's going on right now. Never wavered. Dalia is smiling and she's beautiful and she's radiant. And I'm sorry to say this because it's so painful but it has to be said. This young woman was celebrating her wedding organized with her team 70 funerals of soldiers over the past two weeks and here she is celebrating and we will never forget what you did for the soldiers Dahlia you should know how much Hashem loves you you should know how much we American Jews love you you should know how much the people in Israel love you Dahlia now here's the nukudah of what I wanted to say what right do we have to celebrate when last night I saw armored divisions as far as the eye can see with high morale soldiers saying to me, Shmuley, Rabbi Shmuley, we're going to teach Hamas a lesson they will never forget. What right do we have to celebrate? Gemara says that, you got a drinking, we're going to do that. It also says, there's no celebration like a wedding. We have that. The problem is, by the way, Yosef is a teetotaler, so you got to drink something tonight. But you know why we have this simcha tonight and it's not a contradiction to what Israel's been through? En simcha kahatarat hasfekot. There is no joy like knowing definitively who you are, never having doubt. My son knew he was an Israeli, a Jew, and a soldier. From the time he was a teenager, he came into the bedroom, woke us up one night. He said, Mommy and Tati, all I want to do in my life is to protect people. And Dahlia goes every day in her chatzait, in her, she's a soldier. She didn't have to serve. Religious girls, many of them just do Sheirut Leomi. But she wanted to be part of the first Jewish army in 2,000 years, a modern Maccabee. And she puts on her, a, a religious girl in a religious uniform. And she goes every day, and she, before the war, and she deals with PTSD and the trauma and the mental health of soldiers and making sure that they know they matter to us, that they are our heroes, that it isn't just stupid lip service, that the first Jewish army in 2,000 years are the ones who ensure that never again is not a slogan and never again is not a motto, never again is a promise, never again. Shainit Matsada Lotipol, Israel will always triumph over its enemies. My friends, my friends, I wish my father was here. He died three years ago, and that's why I'm holding this Torah, which I wrote for him. I made it very small so I could take it with me everywhere. I wish my mother was here. 
He lost my mother a year, it's her birthday today. She turned 80 a year ago, she was dancing, she was so happy, we had hundreds of people at her party, I lost her a month later. She loved Yosef so much, she spent half the year in Yerushalayim and Yosef was at her house every single Shabbat. Okay, so that was Shmuley Botech. All right, folks, thank you very much for being with me. Uh, also, there's other ways to give right now. Uh, I want to thank Krista and others who support me through uh, uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. And if you want to uh, uh, feed people right now, there's a really easy way to do it, and that's the folks at Prohibition Pickle. They uh, do a great job. Uh, prohibitionpickle.co.il they do a great job of feeding the folks out here uh, they, you know, they make usually like Ashkenazi style Shabbos and kosher food but right now they're also helping the soldiers and barbecuing stuff and doing stuff and uh, you could be part of that right now and also families that need the support need a little bit of, uh, of loving you can send a little food to your family your friends here in Israel alright folks I want to thank very much Yochevet Seidman Moshe Herman Ben Bresky Tabitha and Lewin were live uh, thank you very much for being part of this uh, program. Um, and I'm sending you my blessings from the land of blessings. Am Israel Chai. Am Israel Chai. And we are fighting Amalek right now. That's right. And we're going to erase the memory of Amalek, Bezrat Hashem. And this is the beginning uh, of, uh, of a shakeup uh, that we're going to s- snap out of our stupor and start getting rid of, of these forces that want to darken the whole world. Bezrat Hashem is going to be a world of light, of Hashem's great light. Thank you, Hashem, for the opportunity. Thank you even for the heartache because we know that we know that you are carrying the souls of everybody that's fallen. We know that you're giving us strength. You continue to give strength to Am Yisrael and to a world that wants to see light. Write me a letter, folks. Yishai, Be blessed. Lots of love and lots of blessings from the land of blessings. And shalom.